Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Exodus chapter 9, Moses and Aaron's confrontation and the plagues of Egypt. So chapter 9, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, Behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. And the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing that belongs to the people of Israel will die. And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. Now again, notice the distinction. This is, this is a big deal, folks. And you need to be believing God for this right now. In times like this, God makes a distinction. God's hand of blessing will rest upon your life. The Lord set a time saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh said, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln, and let Moses throw them into the air in the sight of Pharaoh. Now notice, in the sight of Pharaoh. Pharaoh needed to see this. And it shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt, and become boils, breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout the land of Egypt. So they took the soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses threw it in the air, and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils came upon the Egypt magicians and upon all the Egyptians. So, all right, Satan silenced. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and your servants and your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I would have put up my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up, to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Wow. God said, you wanted a contest of strength? I'll show you. And it won't be between me and Moses and you. It'll be between me and you. You are exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Now notice, he said, you know, you're standing, you're exalting yourself against my people. He said, you won't let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never been seen in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now, therefore, send your livestock and all that you have in the field in a safe shelter. For every man and beast that is in the field will not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord, among the servants of the Pharaoh, hurried his slaves and livestock into the houses. Now notice, God has an audience in Egypt. Now you got to get a hold of that. 
God had an audience in Egypt. God had people who were listening to him. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man and beast and on every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven. And the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire rained down on the earth, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. And there was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such as never been seen in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And hail struck down everything that was in the field and in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. Wow. Now, brothers and sisters, many of you have never seen hail. I've seen hails as big as golf balls. Other people tell me they've seen hails as big as softballs. I've only seen golf ball size hail. And I've seen how it destroys cars, breaks the windshields of cars, totally ruins the, the, the hood and the trunk of cars and the, the roof of the cars. I've seen hail so strong it broke through the roofs of homes. But to see hail that knocks down trees, I've seen hail wipe out, you know, uh, crops of corn and things like that. I've never seen hail bring down trees. You know, you're talking hail like this big around to bring down trees. But in Goshen, there was no hail. God made a distinction. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned, for the Lord is in the right. I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there's been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's, that the earth belongs to God. Pharaoh, you, you need to understand stewardship here. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not fear the Lord. The flax and the barley were struck down, for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in the bud. But the wheat and the emmer were not struck down, for they are late in coming up. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, stretched out his hands toward the Lord, and the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain no longer poured on the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. You know, you, you get this little group of hard-hearted you, you get a little group of hard-hearted people together and they, they feed on each other. And it, it's so sad. Now, you know, you've got these guys up here. They're paying attention. They're listening. But then you get this little group of hard-hearted people. Ah. And he said, you know, Pharaoh, I know. I know that you're not going to do what's right. He said, I'll let you go and you shall stay no longer. And he said, you know, the thunder will cease. He said, but I know that you do not fear God. He said, you and your servants. And sure enough, the little leadership group. Mm. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened and he did not let the people of Israel go just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Chapter 10, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them. 
and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. All right, so when you see judgment, pass on the truth. When you see judgment, pass on the truth to the next generation. The Lord said to Moses, go talk to them that I may show these signs among them so that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson. Moses' grandson was to hear about this. Moses' son was to hear about this. When you see God judging sin, pass it on to the next two generations so that they too will learn and never go that direction. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh. So, you know, pass it on two generations. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country and they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the land. And they shall eat what is left to you after the hail and they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field. And they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and of all the Egyptians, as neither you, your fathers, or your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on the earth to this. Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Now notice, each of these judgments is more severe. Notice the scale of judgment increases. Say, well, pastor, you know, locusts aren't that bad but you've never seen what locusts can do. Get on Google and look up locust swarms across Africa today. When they move through a piece of land, there's nothing living left, not even a blade of grass. They take all the food. They leave the land completely impoverished. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, how long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do, not, do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? Ah, now the servants. Do you not yet understand? Now notice. Pharaoh's servants are turning. So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God, but which ones are to go? Moses said, We will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and daughters, with our flocks and herds, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. But he said to them, The Lord be with you. If I ever let you and your little ones go, look, you have some evil purpose in mind. No, go, the men of you, and serve the Lord, for that is what you are asking. And they were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. Wow. Everybody's mad. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the whole land of Egypt for locusts, so that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his hand over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. And the locusts came up all over all the land of Egypt and settled. Wow. Well, that's rough when they settle. They don't keep moving. They settle. It's normally a swarm of locusts moves. They settled 
on the whole country of Egypt. Such a dense swarm of locusts had never been seen before, nor ever will be again. Now, there has never been anything like that to this day. They covered the face of the whole land so that the land was darkened. And it was like, it was like a cloud that darkened the sun. And they ate all the plants in the field and all the fruit of the trees that the hail left. Not a green thing remained, neither plant nor tree of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and plead with the Lord your God to remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord turned the wind into a strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the whole land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. Wow. A darkness to be felt. Wow. How do you feel darkness? So the Lord stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. (laughs) God makes a distinction. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Your little ones may also go with you. Only let your flocks and herds remain behind. But Moses said, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take of them to serve the Lord our God, and we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Verse 28. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care to never see my face again, for on the day you see my face you will die. And Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face again. Now when you read all of this, and we could move through that fairly quickly, when you read all of this judgment, you understand why when Moses comes to God and he wants to know God, God doesn't show him power and strength. Moses has already seen that. God hid him in the cleft of the rock and proclaimed his name, the Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate one, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Moses, in order to lead the people, needed to know more than judgment. Moses, in order to lead the people, needed to know abounding in love, abounding in faithfulness slow to anger, forgiving. Moses needed to get a revelation of that also because this was all he knew of God at this point. And if he was going to lead the people, he needed a revelation of the goodness of God also. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship. Say 
message to the saints the price of sin is paid it took our place there is no more condemnation there is only grace we are family New Testament passage today picks up with Matthew chapter 21. Now remember, Jesus is up here in Bethany. He has to come down 
the Mount of Olives. He has to pass through the Kidron Valley, come back up to the Temple Mount. So this is about a three to a five kilometer walk every morning. Now going down is easier than going up, granted. In the morning, he was returning to the city. He became hungry. I mean, they were walking quite a distance. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. Now, I want you to notice something. He found only leaves. Now, I grew up around fig trees, all right? One of the things you learn about fig trees is that when you see leaves, you also see the beginning of fruit. Now, they're a little tiny. They're not full fruit yet. They're not mature yet, but you can still eat them, just like we eat green mangoes, all right? He saw only leaves. He said, may no fruit ever come from you again. In other words, we have unnatural growth. We have leaves and we have no fruit. We have something that looks good. It's growing. It's taking nutrition. It looks like life, but there's no fruit. So he cursed it. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to get a hold of something here. Whenever you hear me pray for a person with cancer, and some of you may have cancer in your body right now, and we're going to pray for you. Cancer is an unnatural growth. It's growth that's unnatural and there's no fruit. It only brings destruction. It only takes. It doesn't reproduce, it only takes. Jesus commanded that this thing die from its roots. So based on Jesus' example here, when I, when I pray for cancer victims, I pray that a cancer will die at its very roots, where it began, wherever the roots are that bring life to the whole piece of cancer. I pray that it die at its very roots in Jesus' name. And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you not only will do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. If you have faith. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person right now listening where there's cancer in their body. Lord, doctors work really hard to kill it. They work chemotherapy. They work to cut it out by surgery. They work to, to use all kinds of ultraviolet lights and radiation and everything else. But Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you kill this thing. I curse that cancer at its very roots. In the name of Jesus, let that cancer die at its very core, at its very center, in the name of Jesus. Father, let the body just begin to reabsorb that thing. Let the body just have this immune system strengthened so that it attacks every bad cell in the name of Jesus. There'll be no spreading of this thing. Let the immune system of their bodies be supercharged, Father, quickened by the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, for breast cancer. Let it die in Jesus' name. For prostate cancer, let it die in Jesus' name. Father, for stomach cancer and cancer in the colon, let it die in Jesus' name. For leukemia and blood cancer, let it die 
in Jesus' name. For lung cancer, Father, let the roots of that thing die. Just let it die, Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you for it. Now, there's one other thing I want you to see about this passage, and that's the word, if you have faith, is used twice. Now, people should never use this to berate others. Well, you weren't healed because you don't have faith. You know, Forgive me, when I look at that, I go, well, dude, if you had faith, then why didn't your faith heal him? See, I, I refuse to just go around and put people under condemnation. You know, as pastors, we should be asking God for faith and growing faith and sometimes asking God for the gift of faith. And as members, we should be doing the same thing. And as people sitting there in a service, watching other people be prayed for, we should be asking God also, let the gift of faith be given to me. Let working of miracles be given to me. See, I, I don't believe in these healing meetings where it's all about the preacher. I believe that the entire body ministers. But we all have to be not spectating, but praying, okay? Let's pray. Let's speak to that cancer in the name of Jesus. So rather than use this principle, if you have faith, for condemnation, let's use this principle as encouragement for all of us to use our faith. And when he entered the temple, all right, so he goes back to the temple that he has just cleansed, okay? He returns to a clean temple. He's driven out the money changers. The chief priests, notice chief priests, there's more than one high priest in those days, and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching, all right? So they interrupted and said, by what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? So they interrupted his teaching. They're mad because he drove out their money changers and stuff. And Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. <laughs> okay, I like Jesus. The baptism of John, where did it come from, from heaven or from men? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? If we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. Okay, this is a political answer, not truth. It's not truth. It's just a political answer. They don't want the people to be upset, and they don't want people to believe in Jesus. So let's not answer anything. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will go. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of God, did the will of the father? The first, they said the first, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, now notice, truly, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Not believe in him, believe him. Now, there's a difference. So Jesus stands up and says, God sent you a prophet. God sent you a man of God. And you wouldn't believe him. 
You wouldn't believe him because he stood up and talked to you about living right. You wouldn't believe him. But the tax collectors, which are the most hated people in society, and the prostitutes, which might be the second most hated people in society, they believed in the ministry of John. They listened to John. They rejoiced in John's life. He said, and even when you saw it, you didn't change your minds and believe. Wow. You know, at least, folks, at least when you see you're wrong, change your mind. Okay. When you see you're wrong, at least be willing to change your mind. There's nothing wrong with stubborn ignorance or stubborn foolishness. All right. We got one more passage today. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Let me read it to you also NLT. What are the worthless and wicked people like? Okay. How do you recognize? How do you recognize worthless and wicked people? First of all, they are constant liars. Notice the word constant. Up here, ESV says they go about with crooked speech. This is a constant thing, okay? They're constantly crooked in their speech, constant liars, signaling their deceit with a wink of an eye, a nudge of a foot, or a wiggle of fingers, like we know what we really mean here. Their perverted hearts plot evil. Now notice, a perverted heart plots evil. All they do is think around, sit around and think about how they can do something bad to hurt somebody else. And they constantly stir up trouble. Now, now, I mean, please, what do you do with this verse except look at it and read it? ESV says their perverted heart devises evil. They are continually sowing discord. So when you see, if, if you want to know, how do I know who's right or wrong in this situation? How do I know, you know, who's the wicked one? Who's the worthless one? Well, the constant lies, the plotting of evil, the constantly stirring up trouble. Okay, there you go. But now notice the end. They will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant, beyond all hope of healing. That's the sad part. And I've watched this with people in my life. You know, they go along in their arrogance and their, you know, they look so, so powerful. And then all of a sudden, man, they're just broken. They're, they're, it's a suddenly, just like a, a falling of the Holy Ghost is a suddenly. These people's destruction is a suddenly. They don't just slowly wither away. Just all of a sudden, they're broken. All of a sudden, boom, all their power is gone. In an instant, beyond any hope of healing. Now, if you're one of these people, can I just please beg of you? Please, may I beg of you? Please just humble your heart and get right with God. And uh, You don't want this future. I beg of you. You, you don't want this future. You can, you can live in all the self-righteousness you want, but you do not want this. You want forgiveness. You want to walk in love. You want to see the blessings of God and the goodness of salvation come upon your life. Amen. So don't, don't, don't get involved in, don't, don't get involved in all this stuff. All right. Just stay out of all this stuff. Okay. None of this stuff is fun. None of this stuff is any good. All right, we'll see you tonight back in the prayer of intercession tonight. So we'll see you in the services tonight.